Today is Holy Saturday, or as the day between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday is sometimes known, Easter's Eve. Today, we remember how Christ's body lay in his tomb. We wait in silence, the suspense and space between two worlds, that of darkness, sin, and death, and that of the resurrection and the restoration of the light of the world. Today, we will do things one would expect to find in any other worship service, but we will do them in a different way, differently than we would in another setting. There will be music, but it will be a single song designed not so much to be sung as it is to be received. We will hear words from scripture, but they will be verses that perhaps we spend less time meditating on, verses that come between the more familiar passages of scripture that we know so well. We will pray. We will pray together, though our words will be fewer, and we will try to dedicate more time to silence in an effort to hear God's voice. And there will be a meditation, but instead of it being a message of declaration, as I usually try to give you, the meditation will give us the opportunity to reflect on this time that passes between death and new life. With that introduction, let's begin. A scripture reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 50 through 55. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to the decision and action of the religious leadership. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath. They rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here in between the dead and life, I'm broken down and risen Christ. We watch and wait, we need and pray, the whole to be at break of day. Thank you. 
Jesus is in the tomb. Jesus is dead. Jesus is buried. The burial is the death certificate of Christ. We don't bury people who are alive. We bury people who are dead. And Jesus is dead. Dead and buried. To be dead is one thing. To be dead and buried is another. To be buried is to be beyond hope. His pulse is gone. His heart has stopped. Rigor mortis has set in. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted has become stiffened, vacant, and lifeless. The door is closed. The way is shut. And so we find that Saturday is much harder, even darker than Friday. On Friday, there was still life. Friday, though it was terrible, still had the glimmer of a hope that there might possibly be a miracle. But Saturday, today, there is nothing. No hope, no Jesus. There is nothing to do. Nothing to do but face the unimaginable fact that God is dead. Friday is shocking, but Saturday is crueler still in its silence as the shock wears off and the reality of where the first followers of Jesus find themselves starts to really sink in. Their leader is gone and now they are alone. The one for whom they dropped everything, their whole lives, the one whom they had followed for three years is now dead. Feeling isolated behind closed doors, they stare into the face of the unknown. Together, they grieve what once was, even as they wonder. They wonder together what else there can possibly be now. Only a few days earlier, right before their whole world spun madly out of control, do we remember Thomas? Thomas, who cried out to Jesus in the upper room, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How, how can we know the way? Thomas's words 
capture well how the disciples are feeling right now after the crucifixion in the midst of the burial of Jesus. And I would say that what Thomas vocalizes, this whole vibe of Holy Saturday resonates with where we find ourselves in our current situation. I mean, think about it. Like the disciples, our lives have been suddenly, dramatically turned upside down. We look around. We look around and we see that things are so, so different now. In the middle of a viral pandemic, we gather together behind locked doors. But being isolated physically, separated from each other, we are gathering apart more than we are gathering together. Things have changed. So many hopes and dreams have unexpectedly died. Too many plans, plans that we thought were set in stone have become buried, buried under the uncertainty of all that we're going through right now. So like the disciples, we ache, we hurt, we grieve. And like Thomas, we do not know where we are going. We do not know where this global pandemic will end up. We ask ourselves, will I get this virus? We ask ourselves, will there be a job to go back to when this is all over? If I don't graduate this spring, what do I do next fall? Before so many uncertainties, all we know clearly is that we don't know what comes next. Yes, we can have hope. Yes, we must continue to pray. Yes, we should not stop pursuing and sharing moments of grace. And yes, we can take some comfort in the fact that we are all in this together. But, but there can be no denying life suddenly looks so different and unfamiliar. We must admit, we must admit to ourselves and to each other we no longer know what will happen next. It's hard because that traditional Easter affirmation that we all look forward to is Jesus rose on the third day, that he is risen, he is risen indeed, and counting inclusively as was done at the time beginning through Friday means that Sunday, tomorrow is the third day. But here's the thing, and I'm sorry, but there's just no way around this. Tomorrow will not be Easter for us. Tomorrow, we will still find ourselves sealed behind a closed door. Sealed behind a closed door that cannot be opened yet. One day, this will all be over. However, right now, for all of us at this moment of a global pandemic, the word of our resurrection will not be tomorrow. And it is possible that it will not even come after the third month, let alone the third day. And no matter how many days or months of social isolation still lie before us, it will still be a long time, a long time before we can step out of the tomb of our shelter in place, step back into our social reconnection and the resumption of the full life that we shared once together as a society. 
I mean, if you think about it, unlike the disciples after they encountered the risen Jesus or the four evangelists who, when they wrote their gospels, were able to point to the good news that resolves the tension of Holy Saturday, if you think about it, we don't know the ending of this chapter of our story. I mean, of course, we know the ending, and that is everything. But here and now, before the tomb of our uncertainty, in this awkward, lonely silence, we don't know. We don't know the ending of this moment in time. And so, I think, Holy Saturday is our moment. Holy Saturday is where we are now as a world, as a nation, as families, as neighborhoods, as the church, waiting in that uncomfortable space between longing and satisfaction, between pain and comfort, between promise and fulfillment, between death and resurrection. And let's face it, we don't like to occupy this space. We like to wear our crosses empty. We prefer stones that are rolled away rather than ones that block our path. And maybe this is why most of us have never heard of Holy Saturday. Some of you may be experiencing a Holy Saturday service for the first time. Maybe this is why many churches don't even acknowledge what today is. Because the truth is we prefer to jump from death right to resurrection. Our practice is to get through Good Friday and pass right on to Easter Sunday. Right on to Easter Sunday without stopping here. Here on Holy Saturday. But again, this year, this time, we have no choice. Like it or not, here we sit, here we wait, here we hope and pray. Just like the original disciples who on that first Holy Saturday didn't know Sunday was coming, here we are, sitting in the dark, they could not possibly conceive that the sun would come out tomorrow, that resurrection was even a possibility. So we must ask ourselves, how did they wait when they didn't know the ending? How did those who followed Jesus mark the time when it wasn't clear, wasn't clear at all, how long they'd be waiting? What did those who were isolated by their grief do in order to come together in the meantime. And that brings us to our scripture today. As entering into, onto the scene is not one of the original 12 disciples, but a man who we've heard little of before today. His name is Joseph of Arimathea, and he's a man of mystery located on the fringe of the disciple core. We know so little about Joseph as he is mentioned just twice previously in all of the Gospels. Here's what we know. Joseph was a man searching for the kingdom of God. Mark tells us that he was a prominent member of the council, that is, the Jewish leadership who orchestrated Jesus's arrest, death, crucifixion. But Luke tells us something else. Luke tells us Joseph had not consented to their decision or action. And John, in his gospel, goes on to add that Joseph appears on the scene as a secret disciple, one whose faith was hidden, kept private, kept private perhaps because of his position among the Jewish elders, the Sanhedrin, as they were otherwise known. 
Here's what we know about Joseph. However secret or hesitant Joseph may have been in his discipleship during Jesus's lifetime, here he displays surprising boldness, surprising boldness in the mere hours that follow Jesus's crucifixion. As Joseph steps forward and approaches Pilate for the body of Jesus, he takes a great personal risk. I mean, think about it. Jesus had just been crucified, so it could be assumed that the same fate, crucifixion, might befall those who claimed to be his followers. Joseph knew this, and yet he found the courage to do what he believed was right. Even more than this, Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph offers his own family's rock-cut tomb as the place for Jesus's broken body to be laid to rest. My friends, Joseph's courage and faith are noteworthy here. Think about it. Jews were forbidden from carrying out any work on the Sabbath, including the work of taking the body of a crucified loved one down from his cross. So if Joseph had not acted swiftly and decisively before nightfall on this day, on the eve of the Sabbath, if Joseph had not acted decisively and swiftly, Jesus's body would have been left on the cross. And there it would have hung throughout the next day. There, Jesus's body would still be hanging on what we would know as Easter morning. There would have been no garden. There would have been no stone to be rolled away and there would have been no empty tomb. What's interesting in all the gospel accounts is that Joseph is not alone. Several women, female disciples of Jesus have followed Joseph. And from the other gospels, we know some of their names. We know that Mary, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph was there. And these women face rather than turn their backs on death. And that's powerful. They face death rather than turn their backs on it. The absence of Jesus does not extinguish their love for and devotion to him in this hour. We look at Joseph, we look at these women and we ask, how do we wait when we don't know when our resurrection will come? How do we mark the time while we wait for resurrection? How do we come together even as we are isolated from each other? And the answer is like Joseph of Arimathea, like Mary Magdalene and the rest, we keep putting our life. We keep putting our life, even our death in our father's hands. Instead of trying to rush on to tomorrow, instead of denying the pain, the suffering and the loss that are very real, that is right in front of us, we face it. We name it, we mourn, we let the tears fall. But in expressing our pain, we don't just close in on ourselves. What we see from Joseph and these women is that we work through our grief by boldly caring for the body of Christ. Like Joseph, we stand up for, we lay claim to, and we offer shelter to those who have been crushed under the weight of injustice and neglect. Like the women of the tomb, we tend to the wounds 
of a hurting world, offering the balm of compassion and the healing fragrance of loving, merciful sacrifice. We offer this to those who believe they are dead already. My friends, Holy Saturday is the day of our current season. It is where we are living right now. Here we are caught between the cross and a stone that one day will be rolled away. Here we are waiting. Here we are looking forward, scanning the horizon, hoping against hope that tomorrow will come, that tomorrow will be different than today. But until that time, until tomorrow comes, we must wait, acknowledging and honoring our grief, but expressing it by allowing our pain to become our empathy for each other. So my friends, let us not wait in isolation. Let us come together to lovingly care for the body of Christ, the body of Christ that one day will rise in freedom that one day will rise to glory, that one day will rise towards something new, a future that will be different, a future that will last forever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Loving God, you are silent on this day because you have given your precious life for the salvation of the world. On this day of stillness, help us to know that you are our God. Give us the strength to persist in the midst of the unknown that is before us. Open our hearts to your loving grace and allow us the courage to lament all of our sorrows. Teach us to mourn. Teach us to mourn not by ourselves, but together. Lead us, O oh God, not to become lost in our grief, but through the movement of your spirit to work through our sorrow by coming alongside those in need. Help us. Help us to trust in a future that we cannot foresee. Grant us. Grant us the light of your mercy, guiding us along the path of waiting, believing and trusting that in you there is life beyond death. There is hope after sorrow, and there is joy after pain. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being a part of this service. I pray that you would just continue to sit in reflection upon where we are, where Jesus is today, and in doing that, may God continue to lead you towards the horizon of our resurrection that is coming. God bless. Here in between the i